podcast fam, Jason Carr opened the Gainesville Express Employment Professionals franchise, a professional recruiting agency that provides hiring support for both temporary and permanent hiring needs. After completing college, Jason went into retail management working for Walmart and then Lowe's. Hiring was a constant challenge and source of frustration. It always is. <laughs> After a chance meeting with the owner of Express Employment Ocala franchise, Jason entered the recruiting world in 2007 with the mission to help companies solve their hiring challenges. In 2011, the opportunity to open a franchise in Gainesville became available, and now, 11 years later, Express is the premier agency for premium talent in the Alachua job market. Today, we dive into something so many businesses need help with, hiring. What are Jason's thoughts? Find out in episode 165 of the WHOA GNV podcast. You are listening to WHOA podcast coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and today's episode is coming to you courtesy of The Best Restoration. You guys, you need to have friends on your side when those disasters happen. When that toilet overflows or when that pipe bursts in the wall, or if you're like us and you move into a business that's full of mold, The Best Restoration is there for you. I can speak firsthand to the quality of their work. These guys are amazing. With their certified techs and state-of-the-art equipment, these guys are the masters of disaster be sure to give them a call at 352-505-3321 or visit them at thebestrestoration.com. All right, you guys. Today on the show, we have Jason Carr, franchise owner of Express Employment Professionals of Gainesville. Jason, my friend, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, stoked to be here. <laughs> my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm excited about this because we're going to talk about hiring today, you guys. And I'm, I'm excited to dive into it because let's just face it, it's been uh, it's been a little bit difficult <laughs> as of late. But it's be- tough out there. But before we do that, uh, I kind of want to hear a little bit of background, man. Tell me, you know, how you you got to Gainesville, why you got into this business, how you got into this business, and tell me a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I went to a private college. I was a pastor's kid, really strict Pentecostal upbringing. So, like the second I got into college, all I wanted to do was cut loose and like <laughs> do what I wanted to do and went to a very conservative um private Presbyterian college and uh, figured out how to break, I think, every single rule that they had um, and did not focus on studying very much. So, Where are you from? Uh, Pennsylvania. So, Where are um, Pennsylvania? Yeah, just about an hour north of Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, so I went to school in Grove City, which most people don't know, but it's about 50 miles north of Pittsburgh on the west side of the state. So um, fast forward a couple of years, um, my wife, my now wife, still wife, thankfully, uh, we had met when we were 17, but we found Found out we were having our first son when we were 20, right before my junior year of school. So now you have to be an adult. You have to be a and a dad, a grown up. It was terrifying. And <laughs> calling my dad before Sunday morning service on Sunday 
to tell him uh, the big news. That was more terrifying than realizing I was going to have to be an adult. But uh, so I went to work. How did for, that go? It was t- it was actually pretty good with my dad. He's like, well, I told you you were living in sin. This is what was going to happen. And so that's my dad. But my mom didn't talk to me for like a month. Oh, it was no. horrible. Uh, but it ended up, you know, working working out for the best. I mean, now fast forward, you know, I'm 40 and I've got an 18 year old that's getting just got accepted to UF. He's about to start his junior year of college. He wow. skipped two years and it's like, it's perfect. I'm already counting down like my youngest is 13. So it's like, I know how much longer until, you know, the kids are going to be gone and I can start thinking about re- early retirement, things like that. So I'm at a different stage of life than a lot of my friends. Um, so now it seems really cool, but from 20 to 30, it was very challenging. But I had to get a real job, so I went to work for Walmart. Okay, up there? Yep, in Grove City. Okay. And Grove City, Pennsylvania. And I was actually privy to the first big meth bust in Western Pennsylvania, because I was a cashier at the time, and two or three guys with like four teeth between the four, the three of them, um, were checking out tons of boxes of Sudafed. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I remember the one old lady, she's like, you must have terrible allergies. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's happening here, but I'm pretty sure it is an allergies. And like two days later, the FBI comes in and interviews me and is like, I'm trying to do like sketchups. You know, the, the, the artist is like, they're comparing it with the camera and like trying to get some of the details that the camera missed. So, no you know, really weird stuff you run into in Walmart. I had a, uh, a hobo get stabbed on the bench in front of my store in Brockton, Massachusetts, like oh one of the gosh. worst stores that Walmart has. And I was I was there for that. Uh, so just crazy stuff at, at Walmart. But I started as an electronics associate while I was in college. And by the time I completed my bachelor's degree, they're like, you know, we want to get you into the management training program. I was super psyched. I remember my first real job was 38000 a year so happy and they're like okay if you want to go into the manager training program you have to be willing to move anywhere after you finish i'm like okay you know this is an adventure you know my my family's just getting started i want to get out of pennsylvania anyway so they sent me to massachusetts and put me in the worst store in the district and uh, i remember working 22 days straight uh, after about a year with Walmart, and I just decided, man, this is not a good fit for me. Ended up going to Lowe's, much better experience. Uh, they had a store opening in Ocala that I applied for after being with Lowe's for about a year. And my parents had retired to the villages after I had moved to Massachusetts. And so it was either go back to go to Ocala or go back to Pennsylvania because my wife was kind of homesick, wanted to be around some family with a new son. And, you know, so it made sense to, to look at Ocala. I came down here, and uh, that was 2007, so that was 14 years ago now, and uh, worked for Lowe's for about another two years, and uh, had a uh, the owner of the Ocala Express franchise come in to the store and uh, just struck up a conversation and uh, he gave me his card and I started doing a little bit of research. I had never heard of the staffing industry. I'd never even heard of the- Was he like recruiting you or was it just a, chance a, conversation? A little bit, you know, he was there <laughs> like, to hey, buy- maybe this guy looks like a good guy. Let me try to get him out of Lowe's. And- he, right, he was there to buy a grill and he kind of was chatting with me. He could, you know, I had a manager label on okay. and so we were striking up a conversation. He's like, are you happy here? And you know, when you get yelled at 500 times a day for just enforcing the policy that's on the back of the receipt, 
it starts to wear on you, and you kind of wear that on your face sometimes. Mm. I think I was having one of those days. A little defeated so, on the face. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit tough, a little bit run down of seventy hour work weeks and all the Karens coming up and like wanting to talk to your boss, even though you're the highest rated man, ranked manager that's there, and then they're calling your district manager and the regional manager. I actually had one lady that said, "I know the CEO," and it's like, oh, "Okay, sure," and she she knew the CEO, so that was fun, you know, getting a call from the secretary of the CEO of Lowe's. So um, anyway, uh, I started talking with uh, with Randall and he asked me if I liked retail and uh, he asked me if I knew anything about the staffing industry and I told him no and give me his card. So I looked up his website and then uh, I, they happened to have a staffing, uh, what they called a staffing consultant position open at that time. I applied to it. Um, ended up interviewing. They liked me. Uh, I didn't have any experience, but a bachelor's degree, and I had retail management experience, including recruiting for Lowe's and Walmart. And uh, so I ended up going to work for them. Uh, worked out really well. They have a great team. They're one of the best producing offices in the company in Ocala. They're in the top 10% out of 850-ish offices in the U.S. And so I learned a lot. I did the staffing consultant role for a couple of years and went into the business development, B2B outside sales role. Did well enough that my corporate developer came to me and said, you know, hey, your numbers are really good for someone with no sales experience. Like, what are you doing? What's different about what you're doing? Awesome. So we talked about that, and uh, and her name's Callie Britton. She's still uh, my corporate contact, and she encouraged me to look into franchising. Uh, Express has a program called Bridge to Ownership, which a lot of franchisors offer a pathway to ownership for, for good employees. And so they put forward the money, and I put forward the sweat equity. And uh, so uh, I actually uh, brought in my younger brother, and he invested in the business as well. So most people don't know this probably, but I have two younger brothers that work with me in the business. And that's one of the big keys uh, to our success is we have you know three out of five employees that actually are owners. So it's, awesome. a, it's really an cool. ownership mentality, no matter who you're speaking with uh, in the business. So that was 2011 when we opened. Um, got the opportunity to open in the Gainesville market. And it was just when we were coming out of the doldrums of the 2008, 2009 recession. And the things were starting to pick up. Gainesville was a little bit more insulated from the recession than Ocala was. So Gainesville picked up a little sooner than Ocala did. And we kind of hit that right in stride. We uh, became profitable in month six. Uh, we paid off all of our debt to our corporate office in month 11. Awesome. And uh, and we stayed really, really lean. And I think I mentioned to you, it was around year three that we kind of started to hit our stride, build some brand recognition in the community, started getting some referral business, really thought, okay, we, could, we might actually make it. And uh, that was the first year that I made more money than I had working as an employee, as a business owner. And I felt like, okay, now I've gotten somewhere because I'm finally making enough money that it, it made sense for me to open my own business instead of just making someone else rich. So that's kind of how we got started, and uh, we're going in our 10th year now. Congrats, man. Thank you. It's awesome. I mean, yeah. how, how's it feel even like reflecting on all of Ugh. that? That's a, I mean, that's a pretty powerful journey. It's exhausting. Like, even thinking back of the 80-hour work weeks, we were traveling. My brother and I lived in Ocala, so we were commuting every day to Gainesville from Ocala and working 12-hour days, and it's like we don't have any orders to fill, so all we're doing is literally dialing for dollars all day long, begging companies. Companies, please let us come out and meet with you. 
I know we can help with your hiring. You don't pay us unless we find you a great employee that you want to onboard. And so, you know, it, it just took a, a lot of that. And and we had a little bit of favor. Uh, you know, I think God had some divine appointments for us because in that year three, we picked up just a couple of really big, high profile companies here in Gainesville. Awesome. And uh, and we they're still working with us to this day. And, and they've referred us a lot of business, both internally as well as some of their vendors and, and business partners partners that they work with in the community that they referred to us. And that's when we started hitting kind of that critical mass in year three. And, uh, and it's, it's been a great trip ever since then. Uh, just, you know, it's, it's the best thing I've ever done outside of marrying a great woman and having great kids. Uh, the, the pride and the uh, sense of accomplishment that comes with business ownership and the ability, um, you know, in, in my opinion, to be able to be used um, as, as a vehicle to help people accomplish their goals, pay their mortgage, um, you know, uh, buy their first car, uh, get out of their parents' basement. You know, different people have different missions that they're trying to accomplish and work is such a big component of who we are as individuals and, and how we value ourselves internally, how we uh, demonstrate our value to others externally and to be able to be, a, you know, a, what I think is a kind of a professional matchmaker, finding that right company and finding that right person with the skill set and the cultural fit and putting those two together and then just seeing that relationship kind of blossom and I get paid for it too which is the <laughs> You're best like, this is awesome part. yeah so yeah <laughs> all right so uh, yeah so I mean let, let like talk talk to me about hiring in 2021 right because I mean this is this is something that's come up multiple times I mean I even put up on Facebook the other day uh what did it what it says like anybody with a pulse <laughs> or like now hiring anybody with right. a pulse I mean it's like it feels like like finding help is impossible right now. I mean, this is just the way it feels. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I've, you know, I even did like the little Indeed stuff and like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff that business owners normally do. Right. Right. So like what like tell me why why are we here i think i know i think i have my perspective but mm-hmm. i really want to hear it from you and see like if it matches um why are we in this spot and what do business owners need to do about it to find quality help? So it didn't happen overnight, right? We've um, been in an environment where you know there's there's a lot of factors that are that are in consideration here. Like you know if you're hiring for a mechanic skill set, right? Uh, our blue collar workers for the most part are retiring. You know, those those handyman type personality, they can take an engine apart and put it back together. I remember my dad taking apart a Buick motor in my driveway when I was a kid. And I'm like, how do you know how to do this stuff? And he's like, that's just what we did when we were kids. When we were teenagers, we'd take an engine out and take it apart and put it together. They didn't have technology. That's what they did for fun. And I'm like, how? What? And it's like kids today, you know, I, I was talking to a cop the other day and he's, you know, he's getting calls to help a 20 year old guy change his flat tire. And so we've got a confluence uh, of events here. I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, my guidance counselor was saying things like, if you want to have a good life, you go to college. Right. And so we've got a plethora of people that went to college because they wanted to have a good life, but they didn't know what they wanted to do there. And so we have a lot of people that have come into the market over the last 10 or 15 years 
with degrees that some are really, really useful. Some of them are less useful. And then we've got a, uh, a group that's in the market that went into skilled trades, a very small group. And then we've got a lot of people that kind of bounced around in service industry jobs and really didn't kind of find their, their niche. And uh, so you got all these different factors going on, demographic factors and, you know, skill set availability and regional issues, micro, macro. There's a whole bunch of moving parts. But I think what we lost over the years from an employer standpoint is recognizing, number one, you have to build your brand in the community that part of the the mission statement for your business isn't just profitability but it what do we need to do to be the the premier work destination for local talent and so many customers of mine and this this focus is changing i'm excited to see the change had this mentality from the 80s and the 90s when i was growing up you know you're lucky to work here you're lucky you have a job do things my way or hit the road and that worked for a while because that's how they were raised. Like my dad, it's my way or the highway, buddy. You know, get up seven o'clock, go mow the yard. If you don't like it, then you're grounded or worse, right? So I grew up in that, but I'm 40. And when we're talking about our young people today, they don't necessarily respond the same way that, that generations before did. So what are they looking for? And so this, I'm talking primarily uh, about younger job seekers right now and how do you engage with them? And uh, what we're seeing, and I'm advising my employers that it's the same with the real estate market. The market's kind of flipped. It, finding a good employee right now is like finding a house under 200,000. You know, I talk to, <laughs> talk to realtors. It's, you know, it seems like it's impossible. The reason it seems like that is because the good employees are already working. So there's two different types of job seekers. There's active and passive job seekers. Active job seekers are on Indeed. They're on LinkedIn. Um, you know, they're on quite Career Builder and Monster, it used to be. They're on Facebook. Um, and, and they're actively looking for work. Uh, now, some of those people actually want a great job, and they're going to make great employees. Some of those people are looking to fulfill their unemployment requirements. Uh, some of those people aren't even applying for themselves. It's their wife. It's their mom. It's their grandma that's filling out the job applications it's one of the reasons mm. that in my business we're seeing the lowest uh, um, interview attendance rate that yeah. we have seen since we opened i think if we had to look at year to date we'd probably be at about 65 percent of the people that we sh we schedule for interviews actually show up so one third of the people we engage with on the phone or online are getting an interview scheduled, but not showing up for that interview. And is that because they're just trying to take advantage of the unemployment stuff that's happening right now, or is it's, that not the it's case? It's possible. Um, I, I, what, I, what I think is happening is that people are scared to audition. They're scared to go into an environment that's foreign to them. They're scared to uh, have to sell themselves because we're not preparing kids in high school for interviews. We're not preparing them to write resumes. I mean, I'm dealing with college grads that are just scared to death to show up for an interview. How are they gonna judge me? Am I gonna say the wrong thing? What do I wear? You know, how do I write a resume? You know, is my is my internship in the right industry? I don't have an internship, am I doomed? Well, how are they ever gonna so, get a job if they don't interview? I know, <laughs> but like we have to figure out a way. And so I'm telling my staff, look, this is a sales job now. This isn't recruiting, this is sales. If you're gonna sell a scooter, 
You have to sell new scooters for less to job seekers. Look, you have to work here. Anywhere else you work is going to be a worse decision than working here. And here's why. Here's my value proposition. Here's why, you know, we're the best place to work in the community. And you have to do that before you even get them in the door. Like when you're talking to them the first time on the phone, if you're not excited about your company, they're not going to be either. And so I'm coaching my staff. Look, hey, you know, we got your application. Thanks for filling that out. We have an opening tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. You know, here's our address. We'll email you an appointment confirmation. We'll look forward to seeing you click and then we're getting one third of those people we engage with not showing up so it's like you you queued in the show today you're excited you're doing something you're passionate about we need to convey that through the phone and we need to make it easy for employees to engage with the decision maker that's going to make the hiring decision so you know when i'm telling my clients the more steps you have between the final decision maker and the job seeker, the less likely you are to successfully onboard that person. So if your interview process is 13 steps long, you're gonna do a personality profile, you're gonna do you know, reference checks, drug screen, background check, there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. They're gonna interview with you know, three different managers, they're gonna do a panel interview, they're gonna do a style, a cultural survey analysis. There's no way, they're gonna lose them. They're, they're not, not gonna go through all that. Because Joe Blow down the street is saying, hey buddy, you got a great resume show up to work on monday and you're hired and we'll just see how it goes and so what i'm encouraging my clients lean on that probationary period whether you use an agency like ours where you can onboard people through our service and remove the risk of workers comp and unemployment and make turnover really easy make replacing candidates easy whether you use us or not lean on that 90-day probation period try someone out give them the benefit of the doubt If they don't work out, that's gonna happen, but you gotta remove as many obstacles as possible from between you and the final decision maker. So we work with a lot of manufacturing clients, and most people think the HR person is the one that pulls the trigger on, makes the hiring decision, right? It isn't. It's usually a middle manager that's on the production floor is the last person they're gonna talk to, actually shows them what the job is that they're gonna do. And then tells the HR manager, hey, I like this guy or girl. Let's go ahead and get them started. Why is that the 13th step in the process instead of like the second or third? Why aren't we getting middle manager Joe involved on the front end of the hiring process? Because in those two or three weeks that you're taking to onboard that new employee, he's getting three or four job offers from your competition. So we're seeing a lot of um, a, a lot of bureaucracy interfering with, especially the bigger companies, um, because they're so scared of getting sued. They need to have 13 steps between them and a hiring decision. So if they make a negative hiring decision, they've got all these causes for that. And you know, I'm not an employment attorney, so you know, there's there's good things about that. There's bad things about that. One of the bad things is you're putting distance between yourself and the job seeker, and they it's a very impersonal engagement process, and you really want to personalize it for the job seeker. You really want to be excited about what you do and convey that to them and make it as easy as possible for them to get a job. Talk to me a little bit about the new uh, minimum wage and how sure. this is how That's this is exciting, really how right? this is really going to impact people. Like all the accountants in the room are just like <laughs> crying into their tequila. Well, I was thinking. <laughs> well, I was thinking because this episode is going to go out right before September, which is when right? it changes, right? Yep. In in Florida, yeah. So it's going to change to twelve an hour. 
Is that uh, right? Or am I, I have even to pull wrong? the numbers on that? But it's around there. And well, any, anyway, like yeah, I can't. Like, I can't even recall you guys. <laughs> I mean, we that, that's where we've like already started right. started our team members. Is right. like twelve an hour, and then they have the opportunity to make more based mm-hmm. on performance and that kind of thing, right? Uh, but you know, I've started to see like, you know, I've started to see like McDonald's throwing up signs saying, you know, up up to twelve dollars oh, now. Yeah. I just drove by a place today that said hiring technicians three thousand dollars signing bonus. We're and like that. I mean this this Absolutely. competition uh for one to even just get people like you said to come and work. Mm-hmm. But I mean now now employers have to like really consider the fact that the cost is going up. Like I can't have a college student work in my business and get experience between eight and ten dollars an hour anymore. It's just that's just not right. possible, right? Um, you know, so so how is this gonna like really impact a lot of like what we're seeing uh, with with local businesses? I mean, it's gonna have a huge impact. Um, we're already seeing it, and so our best customers right now, the ones that we have the easiest time hiring for are being proactive and they're already talking to their employees. Look, you know, the employees know what's going on with wages in the area. They're hearing it from their friends. And so if you're being reactive and thinking, well, my employee, you know, he's been with me for three years, he's not going to look. Well, he may not be actively looking, but he may be passively looking, talking to friends. And when his buddy tells him he got a $5 an hour raise to walk across the street and go to a different place to work, and he's doing exactly the same job he was doing before, your employee starts thinking about that. Well, $5 an hour is you know $800 a month gross. That's a mortgage. That's my house that I've always wanted to buy. And so everyone is job searching right now. And so what we need to do as employers is be proactive, talking to our employees. I understand that wages are going up in the area and here's what we're doing. So I have clients that are already addressing this, and I can tell you in my business, and it's a great aggregate, because we work across the board. We work with customer service, we work with blue collar, we work with admin positions, you know, accounting, engineering, and for what we've seen, our average hourly pay rate has gone up 8% year to date versus 2020 year to date. So that's an 8% increase in one year. Right now, our average starting rate of pay is $16 an hour in Gainesville. Mm. And that's as an aggregate, not in, um, excluding white collar. So we're just looking at, you know, your lower level admins and your, and your blue collar, your general labor. I can tell you right now, it, apartment complexes all over Gainesville, we have people working doing apartment turn season. Unskilled labor pays $15 an hour right now. That's how desperate people are for talent. So when clients ask me, what do you think about the $15 minimum wage? I tell them it's already here. So if you're looking for someone that's gonna be a future leader in your company that's gonna come in and be eager to learn and have a high level of initiative, high level of retention, personal responsibility, personal accountability, be a problem solver, be an innovator in your business, they're looking for $15, $16 an hour for unskilled work. And so that's what we're seeing with our clients. I've got, you know, five or six major manufacturers in the area right now that consider $15 an hour their minimum wage. And so when you're competing with that, when you're competing with Target at 15, when you're competing with Walmart paying cashiers and people pushing carts in their lot $14 an hour to start, that's the minimum wage. 
And so what do employers do? Well, it's funny because I was having this conversation with an engineering firm, believe it or not, about six months ago. And they were telling me like how great their business is and their profit margins have gone up and they're raising prices with their customers and, you know, and, and inflation and well, the cost of goods going up. And, and I'm asking them, okay, well, man, yeah, inflation is a really big deal right now. And, and we're all having to raise prices because, you know, our costs are going up. Um, well, when you raise prices for your customers, Customers and you're raising because of the increase in prices of cost of goods sold, are you looking at your payroll cost and raising that in tangent to the inflation and cost of goods? They said no. And no. You know, my <laughs> wages haven't changed over the last two years, over the last year. I mean, did but I we're raising prices, to, but right? we're not looking at payroll. We're looking at it at a fixed cost instead of a variable cost. And so my, cl- my best clients are looking at pay right now they're looking at pay competitiveness on a quarterly basis and they need to present a value proposition to their employees you know if they're not a market leader in pay for their industry what do they offer as a substitute do you have great benefits do you have an awesome culture do you have flex time you know what how do you sell your business you know what's your value proposition how do you sell a scooter why is your scooters better than your competitors you know why is my service better than my competitors what's your value proposition it's the same way with your employees they know wages are going up they know they can go elsewhere and probably get a higher rate of pay what are you doing about it what's your plan for pay competitiveness as you know wages continue to increase and you know are you sharing in their pain because you know i got a client right now that's working on putting a uh, ballot initiative forward for um housing affordability for alachua county and it's like have you looked at the rents in the area and have you looked at the home prices in the area um people can't get by on 10 or 11 bucks an hour. And so, you know, we have companies in the area that, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, we're getting on board with the living wage concept. And it was innovative at the time. Um, but those types of companies are just sucking all the talent out of the market uh, because not only are they looking at wages as a component of attracting the best talent, and not only do they realize that if I pay more, I can reduce my headcount, have more engaged, more productive employees, work less overtime, have less, uh, you know, uh, defective parts, you know, in manufacturing, uh, have less unhappy customers because my customer service reps are well-paid and they're happy and they're engaging well with my customers. Um, I'm going to have lower turnover. I'm going to have lower recruiting costs. And so you have to really look at it as an aggregate. And the cost of turnover is about 30% of the annual salary of the employee you're replacing, if you include training and onboarding and ramp up. So if you're cycling people out your door all day long, you're already paying the inflated uh, prices, the inflated wages. You're just paying it in turnover and training time and managers that can't do their job because they're training new employees. So it really takes kind of a, a reorganization of how we think about compensation and what we're doing in terms of being proactive and communicating with our employees employees um are we are we doing retention bonuses right now that's a new one i saw the other day right Mm. so i've got clients doing thousand dollar retention bonuses every year that you stay with the company so just by being there if you're still here a year from now i'm gonna write you a check for a thousand dollars unbelievable and they save money by doing that that's and they think of it as oh this is an additional cost well if the employee stays because of it you're saving 30 percent of their annual salary hmm 
So do you like that? You like that way of looking at it? I mean, it's great for me because I look for, when I engage with a client and they call us and we're turning away as much business as we're taking right now. And when a company calls me and they say, hey, you know, this is what we want to pay for the skill set we're looking for. And I do the comp analysis and I meet with them and I say, this is where you need to be on pay. You know, you need to be at 15 to $17 an hour. And they say, okay, well, we pay 11 to 13. So go ahead and fill it, fill it, man. Uh, I'm like, you know, I can't make people work for 30% less than the market says they're worth. And so I, what I can do is find you the best talent that's willing to work for a competitive wage. And I can give you the quality of people that six months after they start, you're like, man, I am so glad this person works here. Um, and there's some some price pricing pain at the beginning because you know another issue you got to look at if i start bringing people in at a higher rate of pay what do i do with the guys that are already here so it's not as simple as i'm just going to raise wages for for new employees you know it's something that has to be done gradually and you have to be creative in in how you do it and you have to make sure that you're looking at your key players and then you're you're rewarding that performance and not everyone looks for the same reward i have a amazing um administrative assistant that does our payroll and answers our phones and sets up interviews and and she's a rock star and i've basically begged her to be a staffing consultant because she'd make like 50 percent more money she just wants more time off Mm -hmm. not more responsibility not more money just more time off and it's like you know if you can go through your company and you can tell me or you know anybody what motivates each employee because they're all different then you've got a good shot at engaging retaining and those employees telling their friends you need to come work here because it's an amazing place. They're really in tune with what we're looking for as employees. And they, they recognize that. So you're either a stop in their career or you're the end, you know, that they're planning on sticking around for a long time or you're just kind of a way station until they find something better. And yeah, that's a lot huge. of that, it's I mean, a, a players want to work with A players. Absolutely. Period. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, you, no problem. Want, oh, sorry. I lost my train. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you can help anybody with any particular type of job like can you help me find so, a mechanic or yeah, are there areas find, where you're I like can this help is you my, find our a specialty this is I'm like- gonna coach my clients on you know what's realistic to look for right now small engine mechanics are really really challenging to find in this market so if you're willing to wait six months or a year you know, we could probably find you one. I, I filled um, Silver Airways. I filled, you know, 15, it's called A&P licensed mechanics, uh, airframe and power plant mechanics for, for jet engines, right? I found them. Takes a long time. Um, but what I see a lot of companies doing is finding someone, like I think you hinted at this in your Facebook post, which is finding someone with the general handiness mechanical aptitude bringing them in and, and you know kind of tooling that skill set and training them yeah i think when you when you bring someone in and you give them a skill set you're more likely to keep them when you bring in an artisan it's all about pay and so when they get an offer at five dollars more an hour they're going to be gone but you earn some loyalty when you bring someone in and you teach them a trade yeah i think you know i'm juggling you know i'm juggling with this um I'm juggling with where I'm going with the business, yeah. right? And the situation I'm in now, because it's like, I need help now. Right. And I don't mind taking the role. And actually, we did find somebody, like, but we, nice. need, we need more than one. Sure, right? <laughs> I feel like we need like six mechanics yeah. right now. Uh, so I did find somebody who's straight out of high school, mm-hmm. right? 
uh, super handy. I'd actually worked on scooters before. Kind of was nice. doing it as like a side hustle type thing, you know. So so that worked well. Like right. we, get, we get the raw talent in. Absolutely, we can totally get them trained up. Right to to do what we need them to do and work the way you know we need them to work in, mm-hmm. in our environment. Right. Right. Um, but then it's like I know that my long term aspirations are to set this up. So I can really take a step out. I mean, it's been on multiple shows at this point <laughs> of like trying to transition out of new scooters for less right. to be able to focus on this more time, sure. full time, right? Right. And so, so I'm like looking at it as like, okay, I can, I can have this young raw talent. And actually, I would say in Gainesville and Hold, this is kind of a problem. It's like you have Absolutely. a lot of young raw talent. Absolutely. But still, you need like you need that ace. You need that experience. Yep tech who can like teach all the others lead the rest of the team you know and and that's the guy that's really hard to find yeah and he demands a a good wage right now i'm telling my clients if you're looking for top of the talent pool you have to pay top of the talent pool wages and so where i see and it's it's across the board it's so it's fascinating to me because when i ask my clients what do you think you need to be paying for this position they will consistently price themselves in the 25th to 50th percentile. You know, look at the graph and where where the averages are for the area and just blind, you know, I think we should be here. They're in the 25th to 50th percentile. And when I'm telling my clients, the target range right now should be the 75th percentile. And I mean, they're just like, you know, on a, on a $15 an hour employee, you know, they're, they're looking at 13, 14 bucks an hour and they need to be looking at, you know, 17, $18 an hour. And a year ago before COVID, um, you could get that guy at 15, you could be around that 50th percentile and pick up the ones that are, you know, uh, working, but not like real happy where they're at, you know, uh, just casual job seekers. Uh, but right now we're seeing um, so much, there's so much job portability in the market. Literally, if you are sharp, you've, you know, you've got a stable work history, you've got an in-demand skill set. You can, you can get three or four job offers in three or four days, and we're seeing it all the time. I mean, you know, if, I send, if I get a great resume, great candidate, I send it out to four employers, they all want to interview on the same day, like that day. <laughs> send him can now. you get him now? Can you drive him over here? Don't even let him leave your office or her. And, and we're getting multiple job offers, and they're fighting over the talent. So it's great to be talent yeah, right now. Yeah. You know, I had a executive assistant the other day uh, that was in a, in a price war with three different companies, and the initial offer was 48,000 the final offer was 68,000 and it's like now she's worth every penny of it but she wouldn't have got that a year ago and there's no way and so we need to look at where we're at competitively and it, and you're not competing with scooter stores you're competing with automotive you know people you're For competing sure. with diesel mechanics you're competing with you know the um harley davidson you know these are all skill sets that all of these companies are looking for right now and they're all willing to train right now so that's who you're competing with so it's really it's kind of an aggregate you got to get that data and you got to make sure that you're priced competitively in this market like if you're putting your house up for sale right now and and you know you got interested parties their realtors are telling them you know <laughs> 15% off of asking is not where you want to start if you want any chance of getting this house. <laughs> yeah. like you need a shock and awe. Full, full time offer. Shock and like awe. A, a full you need, offer yeah. with like a $20,000 yeah. escalatory You need Norman Schwarzkopf, Storm and Norman. You need to shock and awe with your with your offer and that's and that's what we're seeing with job seekers too. I we, mean, the, the potential employee is in the driver's seat. 
Absolutely. I mean, that's what it, that's what all this comes down to. It really does. So, you know, they're not afraid right now, and I am not encouraging this, and I am actively discouraging this. And if someone comes in and they take a job with me, and a week after they start, they're like, I want something else. That's no deal for me. You know, I, I want you to give an honest shot at the company that you've made a commitment to. But we're not seeing employees are not afraid after two or three months, and they feel like they're not being treated right, or they feel like, you know, they're not getting paid right. They're gone. Move on to the next. And it's nothing because they'll get a job in two or three days. All right, so my final question before we wrap this up, the like COVID impact, mm-hmm. everything that's happened with everybody, work, you know, a lot of people have been working remotely. Sure. And now it's like there's a lot of employers trying to pull people back right? in, trying to pull people back in. Oh, yeah. and, and maybe that has a lot to do with this. Like you gotta be, I feel like you gotta be super flexible. It's like, you know, now, now we're gonna be in this high, maybe we're in forever a hybrid a workplace where it's like you get to spend X amount of hours at home, X amount of hours, right. you know, at the office or or, like, or whatever. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm just kind of curious, like from your perspective and, and being in this on, on the day to day basis, sure. what have you seen that has come as a result of COVID-19? Well, people act like the desire to work from home is new. Like employers are like, oh my like, God, all there. my employees want to work from home now. No, they always wanted to work from home. Now they have a good excuse. Right. And so I've got a friend of mine, his wife is an engineer and very talented and everything she does, she can do from home just as well as she can do it sitting in the office. And she's getting letters from, you know, senior management now. It's like, you need to work in the office. And there's big pushback. It's like, why? Do I have to be in the office to do my job effectively? Has my performance decreased since I left working in the office? And so... What I'm encouraging my employers to look at is the employees in the driver's seat. What is mission critical? Do we have to have butts in seats five days a week? If so, why? You know, if we don't need to, let's be transparent with our employees and let's talk about, you know, how often do you have to be here? But the whole concept of, okay, COVID's over, and now we got Delta, we're going to have Epsilon, we're going to have Theta, (laughs) we're going to have Xenon, you know, we're going to have all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, We really need to look at, it's not about COVID. It's about engaging with our workforce in the way they want to engage with us. So if it, you know, if you assemble tables for a living, you got to come to work. You can't do that remote. Right. But if you're if you work in a call center, you don't need to be there. And convincing an employee who wants to work from home that you have to be physically in the building when they know because they've been doing it for the last year remotely, it's going to be a tough sell and you're going to lose people that want employers that offer more flexibility. And so COVID has just accelerated the trend that was already there, which is employees demanding more flexibility in their schedule more flexibility in their work environment and an employer that considers, you know, balancing the desire for control. Cause that's what this comes down to, right? I want to protect my culture. I want to control my work product. Right. And it, we really need to start thinking about, you know, what's your work product if you don't have any employees. So that's what it comes down to. How do we engage and meet the needs of our workforce and maintain product quality, customer satisfaction, quotas, deadlines? Uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And we're seeing if you're not being flexible with your employees, your competitors are. 
So just be aware if you're in a in a in a in a talent market that's high demand and you tell your employees no because I said so, someone's going to tell them yes because you want it. And that's what you're competing with. There it is, guys. Times are a changing. It's it's good. It, you can you can really win in this market if you take an honest look at how you're compensating your employees, at your workplace culture, how you're engaging with job seekers and a brand you're building for yourself in the community. If you put an honest focus and an honest effort in doing those things, you've got tons of companies that aren't. You can be ahead of the curve, but don't wait till 2026 when when the the minimum wage goes to. $15 an hour to start talking to your employees about how, oh, we finally got you up to 15 an hour. That's a conversation you got to be having now. Get out in front of the problems. You're going you're gonna to separate yourself from your competition and recruit and retain better talent. Be proactive, not reactive. That's it. Awesome, man. This has been great. Yeah, this is absolutely. super informative. I know this is going to be yeah, super valuable fun. to everybody's listening. So thanks, thanks so. for coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Where can our audience connect with you if they want to learn more about what you guys yeah, do? So what's the website? Absolutely. All that kind of stuff. www.expresspros.com. And no matter where you're watching from in the U.S., we have 850-ish offices in the U.S., I'd be happy to connect you with an office that's close to you, whether direct hire, professional search, or attempt to hire administrative and blue-collar workers. We've got the solution for your needs. Awesome. Jason, thanks again, man. Yeah, awesome. And thank you so much to James Leitner for making us both look so good on camera (laughs) and on the mics. Appreciate you, brother. And uh, podcast fam, remember you can find all the links to our incredible sponsors that make the show happen at WH gnv.com slash sponsors. You can also find the links of today's incredible sponsors down in the show notes uh, and you know on the social media channels. They're always there, so be sure to get linked up to the people who are making this possible. We appreciate all of our amazing sponsors. And special love this episode to our friends at the UF Mover Guys. If you need help moving your home or your business, give our friends Brad and Jordan a call at UF Mover Guys. These guys do it all. They got a huge team to take care of all of your moving needs. They do full service packing, moving bulky items, disassembling furniture because you guys really like nobody ever wants to do that part. That's like the worst part of moving. Nobody wants to disassemble the furniture. Uh, And if you need storage, they've got your back there too. My favorite part of their service is that you don't have to pay for anything up front. You pay once the move is completed and you are completely satisfied. Uh, satisfied. Uh, these guys have over 600 Google reviews with a 4.9 star rating for a reason. Give them a call at 352-415-0886. Again, that's 352-415-0886 or visit them at ufmoverguys.com. And when you call them, be sure to say, I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast for you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we will see you later. Bye. See you.